Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Caitlin. How are you? I'm not as good as you are because I'm not in London, England, about to watch, commentate, partake in, and generally immerse myself in the Wimbledon championships for the next two weeks. And you are. I am fully immersed. I am so immersed that there are bubbles around me everywhere. Yeah, I am really literally in the bubble, which is kind of a crazy thing. I've obviously been in some bubbles, but the Wimbledon bubble really takes the cake. Um, We'll get into it a little bit uh, as the pod goes on, just explaining how it works and what's going on and who's in it. And it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's quite the experience, especially for somebody like me who's been here for, gee, I played in like 20 plus Wimbledon championships and always stayed in the village. And now with this, uh, it's, a, it's a new experience for everybody. So you're saying even if I was, were there, I could not have a double gin at the Fox and Hound with you and stagger home uh, and want to throw myself off the first floor window like I did two years ago because we would have to be in the bubble which is where you are yeah we uh there's no getting around this there's no dog and foxes there's no you know pub visits or uh you know bailey and sage visits to get our lovely yogurts and meats and cheeses and bread rolls and no it's this is uh to the courts back from the courts back into the hotel and I mean literally everyone I was like what do you mean everyone like Roger Roger Serena mm-hmm. Novak, everybody is in this hotel. So, it, you know, the feeling is I, I, Andy Murray, and for someone like Andy Murray, for example, he literally lives like a five-minute walk from the Wimbledon courts, and he is staying in this bubble. I bumped into him in the bottom of the stairways, and I was just like, mate, it must be so hard for you um, knowing that you live five minutes from Wimbledon and you, you're staying here. And it's it's a at a minimum 35 minute uh, bus ride or car ride into Wimbledon. And on most days it's 45 minutes uh, to sometimes an hour. So it's, 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 it's a bit of a bear getting in and out of uh, Wimbledon this year. Well, it uh, as brutal as that is, especially for people who live in the village, there's a lot of former tennis players who live in the village. Boris Becker lives in Wimbledon village. You're saying Andy Murray, you know, I get why if you are a tennis champion living not only in London, but that specific part of London probably makes a lot of sense, except for this year. 
Um, but I will say the excitement, at least from what I've been able to gauge, not only my own, but everybody's for this year's Wimbledon is reaching a fever pitch, partly because they didn't play one last year. They had every other Grand Slam but Wimbledon in some way, shape or form, bubbled or not bubbled or delayed or whatever. Um, and, you know, there really isn't anything as iconic. I'm in my all whites right now. I just happened to be, uh, this is just what I dress in most days. I had a little hit with my son this morning, took our little slinger bag out to the courts, had a little practice session. Um, but for me, the, the Wimbledon visuals, the optics, some of the news we're getting, it couldn't be more exciting. I've said before that Roland Garros is my Christmas, um, but I fully acknowledge that for almost everyone else, Wimbledon is their Christmas and you can't help but get excited even if it's not your most favorite tournament. Um, so let's get into it. Should we talk about what's what's to be expected? Because I have some headlines that are dominating my mind and my social circle, but I'm curious to see what it's like on the ground in terms of the buzz and what people are talking about. Well, I mean, for me, I mean, to be quite honest with you, this is going to be such a unique experience for anybody and almost like a US Open where, you know, the travel is long, getting to and from the courts you know, people that that like to hit early in the morning, like someone like Venus and Serena, who usually hit all the time at 10 a.m., no matter what, they're usually first on the court. Um, you know, it's going to have to be a little bit different because it does, they're going to have to get on the bus, they're going to have to, or in a car, and the travel time is a lot more. So, you know, and the fact that everybody is in this hotel, I mean, Roger was sitting downstairs in the mess hall. It feels like an Olympics, really. That's how it feels like. And when I bumped into Andy Murray, that's what he said. It feels like an Olympics. You know, everyone's there. You're, you're literally going downstairs, getting your food with everybody else. It's like a massive big buffet. I've never been on a cruise, but I can imagine it feels like a bloody cruise. Gross. So, so for the players, they're all having to go outside of their comfort zone. You know, someone like a Roger or Serena or Andy or, or any of these great top players, Novak, they have their team, they have their house, they have a, a chef or they have, you know, their own food that they like to eat. This is, you have no choice here. You can order Uber in, you know, Uber eats into the hotel, but, you know, everyone's going down. You can imagine everyone standing in a line, getting their food, going, sitting at a random table. And we have the Euro to 2020 on. Um, so a lot of the Europeans are watching the football on the big screen and, you know, Italy played last night and you hear this screaming from the Italians over in the corner. So it's kind of like, it's like a, a junior tournament, you know, when you're a kid. So it's such a different feel. You see Serena sitting at a table with her husband and, and, and of course, Olympia, her daughter. I mean, they're on one table over there with her mom and and then you've got sort of like these little groups of people. So it's kind of like high school um, reunion for everybody. That actually sounds pretty cool. It's, it is kind of cool for everyone in some respects, but also it's a different energy that you're expending, right? So if you're a type of player like Roger, you know, surprisingly, I think will handle this pretty well, even though he has these routines. Roger's a pretty social guy. Like, you know, he was down in the, in the you know, eating area last night, pretty late, like uh, probably around quarter to 10, 10 o'clock came upstairs. He was sort of in the back of the bar area, sort of talking to other players and friends and, you know, he's not a super solitary person. So I think for someone like him, he'll actually manage it okay. I think Novak's pretty reasonably social as well. It's just people that are used to sort of being alone and being by themselves and with their team. How much energy is it going to take out of them that they're not used to expending, right? And um, so I think it'll be interesting to see who comes out on the other side of that um, and who can adjust to, to that kind of a, a life. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that bears mentioning is unlike the other Grand Slams where, yeah, the top players usually get a house anyway, 
in, at Wimbledon, almost everyone gets a house because there's very few hotels right in that part of Southwest 19, that part of sort of suburban London. So if you're in a hotel, you're, you're 30 minutes away, kind of no matter which direction you head, whereas being in a house feels very luxurious. But at the same time, it's also sort of like, you know, ESPN has a few houses, you guys get flats just because, you know, again, there's mm-hmm. not like a hotel. So the idea that, you know, the norm isn't a hotel under any circumstances, whether you're at the top of the game or the bottom, in in the Wimbledon context really, really is interesting because players really can sort of like keep to themselves under normal circumstances. Um, you know, and yeah. obviously- For example, me, I, I can't work for ESPN and while Sam's in the tournament and in the bubble because I can't be in close contact with uh, ESPN crew because they're getting tested as well, but they're staying in the village. So they're staying in a house. So they may come across, you know, the public or they're sort of in- a non-bubbled area. So I can't be in any contact with them or the crew from ESPN. So until Sam's out of the tournament, I am in the bubble and therefore I'm sort of like wrapped in bubble literally and not allowed to see or touch or be around anybody else. Ah, that's so interesting. Cause usually you do double du- duty at these tournaments where ESPN has the rights. You'll be running from a practice court onto air and then out to a match and back and forth. And it, I mean, knowing you very well, it seems like that kind of frenetic pace is really fun for you. But I will say the the chance that you get to, you know, have a a singular experience, one and then the other, is going to sort of be new for you. Yeah, it's a little new for me. Um, but uh, look, uh, I'm, I'll do what I can do, and obviously, I want my player to do as as well as possible. So, um, so we'll we'll see what happens. Anyway, let's get into the let's get into the draw a little bit. Um, the one draw that everybody I know who is a medium sized to small sized tennis fan. They are all texting me, DMing me, sending me screen grabs of Nick Kyrgios and Venus Williams creating a Voltron super-powered mixed doubles team. Everyone's losing their mind about this. I'm so excited. I can hardly breathe. (laughs) Well, Nick did put out on Twitter that he was looking for a mixed doubles partner. So this is uh, clearly the millennial way of asking someone to date on a tennis court is by tweeting. And of course, Venus was like, let's do it. And I have to say, what a team that's going to be because, well, you won't be breaking their serve very much if they're getting their first serves in. Uh, Venus is obviously a multiple double Grand Slam champion and a multiple mixed double Grand Slam champion. So Nick's clearly putting his hand up to trying to win a Grand Slam in some way. And I love it. Um, you know, I, I just think it's so fun and we've had some great fun it's probably the most talked about mixed doubles partnership since clearly Serena and Andy a couple of years ago. And then prior to that, probably McEnroe and Steffi Graf. Um, so those, those are sort of the m- more memorable mixed doubles um, matchups. So it's, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait um, to see them play together. And, and Venus is into it. Venus is super into it. I mean, let's, yeah, to your point, Venus has won one, two, three, four, five, six Wimbledon doubles titles. And yeah, one she's won one of them with you. And in no, 19- against me. I wish it was with me. Yeah. Well, uh, she's also never won a Grand Slam mixed title at Wimbledon. She's won it at the Australian and at the French. She's missing a Wimbledon for her t- title trophy case and uh, the US Open. So maybe we will get Nick and Venus at multiple times. I mean, people have talked about how Nick Kyrgios, who is basically has not played on the tour for close to 18 months. I mean, the guy... Well, he played at the Australian Open. He played at the Australian Open and he lost in five sets to Dominic Team in one of the greatest matches of the year. And other than that, you know, tournament, did he play any warm-ups in, uh, in Australia? Did he play in the, the Sydney or Brisbane or Auckland or any of those? I don't think he did, but you, you could tell me. 
No, I don't think he did. No. So he's kind of just dive bombing in here. But the thing is about Nakurios, and this is why he's such an amazingly fun player. He is capable of beating anybody on any day. He's never dropped a set against Novak Djokovic as a floater in the draw on grass with the kind of talent and serve speed and variety that he has. I would not want to be in his part of the draw. Would you? Um, no, I don't think any player would want to ever play Nick in, in any form or fashion, especially on grass, because as you said, the talent, but the serve is just so hard to break and all that sort of stuff. So um, I don't think Novak's going to be worrying about him too much though. I mean, Novak to me is the favorite at the tournament. Um, I think he's actually going to win the Grand Slam this year. I think he's going to win Wimbledon and I think he's going to win the US Open. I think he's going to have all four Grand Slam titles. Don't know if he's going to play uh, the Olympics. Uh, that would make him the first since Steffi to do the Golden Grand Slam if he were to win the gold medal at the Olympics. But, um, you know, he looks fantastic. I've seen him the last couple of days. He looks fit. He looks healthy. He looks happy, relaxed. Um, he doesn't look stressed out at all coming in here. So, look, he's going to be a huge, huge favourite to win the men's. And, um, you know, he's in sort of a section with uh, maybe a Berrettini up that, um, sorry, Berrettini's down the bottom half of the draw with someone like a John Isner, you know, big servers on this court. The court is playing really um, soft. And um, so the ball's bouncing quite low. It's going to, it's going to help the big servers, but it's also playing reasonably slow. It's hard to describe it, but the ball is bouncing low. So anybody with a really good slice is going to do really well at this tournament, especially early in the tournament. I think as the tournament goes on, it gets hotter. It'll get harder and it'll help guys from the back of the court a little bit more. But for me, it's overwhelming. Um, Novak's the overwhelming favorite. to. to yeah, just looking at who's in his part of the draw, it's um, Diego Schwartzman. You've got Tsitsipas in there, which is always exciting because he's fun to watch. Uh, although he's got an interesting match against Francis Tiafo, who's had a pretty good uh, grass season, actually. Feliciano yeah. Lopez, the grass specialist, he's always fun to watch. I don't know how far he'll go. Um, and then Andy Murray is in his half of the draw, which is so, 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 so fun um, and would be fun to watch Andy Murray make a deep run, obviously. Uh, you know, he too has not had too many matches, um, you know, in the last year, just, you know, coming back from those multiple, multiple hip surgeries. So Andy Murray would be so, so fun. But yeah, it's hard to imagine anybody really stops uh, Novak Djokovic. No, certainly in his half of the draw, I feel like he's overwhelming favorite. Someone who might sneak through as, on an American standpoint is someone like uh, Seb Corda, although he had his knee tape the other day, which always worries me. Um, he has against um, Alex Dimonor, who won the lead up tournament in Eastbourne yesterday. And Alex can be really dangerous on grass. So um, we'll see. Won't be one of those guys, whoever wins that match, I feel like might move through the tournament. So, but um, Berrettini won the lead up tournament in Queens and looks great. I mean, just a monster, monster serve and forehand and, those types of games will do really well. And he has a beautiful slice backhand as well. So his game is not going to be easy to beat on this grass. And I think he, I think he's a player that will get through to the semifinals. Um, and we'll see what happens in the bottom section of that particular part of the draw. Of course, Roger is in the bottom half of the bottom half of the draw. Um, look, hasn't had a great lead in, played pretty well in Paris and then pulled out, saving his body. And I think that... Um, you know, we'll see how Roger does. He plays Manorino, who actually, I believe, gave him a really tough match a bunch of years ago. So we'll see how he does with uh, Manorino in the first round. Um, and there's Cameron Norrie, who made the finals of Eastbourne. He's in his section of the draw as well. So there are some maybe dangerous uh, uh, spots for him. But Chilich. I don't know. Chilich is in that part of the draw, as is uh, Medvedev, who you never know what you're going to get with Medvedev, which is why I like him. He, he to Another me, is an honorary WTA player as is Benoit Pair, Cause you just kind of like never know what's going to happen. And I, you know how much I love chaos. Chaos is a ladder, Renee. 
I'm not here. Although for he comes in, favorites. he comes in also winning a tournament. So yeah. I mean, you know, he's clearly happy to be off the clay. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Did pretty well considering he hates clay on clay. However, ready. I'm ready for the Medi Slam. So let's uh, let's see if he can bring it. If I'll keep can- an eye out on who's in the bar the most between all of those guys for the next few uh, days. That might be getting an indication of who's going to be at the end of the tournament. Insider tips, uh, who's mm-hmm. going who's gonna to make it. All right, should we talk about the women? Uh, uh, you know how I feel about talking about the ladies? I love talking about the ladies. Um, Simona Halep is not playing, so which is a little bit of a bummer because one of the most fun traditions at Wimbledon is that the woman who won it the year before leads off on center court uh, as the first match of the tournament. Simona Halep, because she won it in 2019 and they didn't have it last year, will miss the honor by not being able to play. So I wonder who they will put out on the first match of the court. Well, what I'm hearing is that it's going to be Ash Barty, the number one seed, which is a little bit of a surprise to me because, you know, in the years previous when the winner of the tournament and the the latest one that I can remember is Marianne Bartoli, who retired not long after winning Wimbledon, Mm. Um, that, that then went to the runner-up, which was Sabine Lasicki the following year. So I'm a little surprised that they don't have Serena going out there, um, opening the courts, uh, the day's play for the women on centre court. I'm, I'm not quite sure why. Uh, schedule hasn't come out for that day, but the, what I'm hearing is that Ash might be the one opening the court up. If not, um, we'll see. But yeah. Ash Barty was um, pulled out midway through the tournament in the French after just having phenomenal lead up to the French Open. Um, my player Sam Stoza actually hit with Ash the other day and she's moving around the court really well, hitting the ball great. Seems like the hip injury is um, under control. Uh, fingers crossed that nothing crazy happens, but she looks really fit and healthy again. So for me, she's the favorite of the tournament. Ash Barty do, um, does have a really played, tough part of the draw, right? Like, you know who else is in there who I think actually has like legit chances? Um, Joe Conta, who won a uh, grass court tournament a couple of weeks ago her first uh, I think in a long time and then Coco Vandeweghe who's never not been a real threat in the, the last couple of years because she's had injury after injury but she can go far on grass and that beautiful beautiful serve and volley game like can actually I think make some uh, you know makes you know make some trouble for for a lot of people. Well, actually, Coco and Ash, uh, of course, won the U.S. Open doubles a number of years ago together, and they were practicing today together. But, um, you know, Conta, Conta will have to uh, play Coco possibly in the second round. So Conta or Coco will be the ones that will get through that section, and we'll have to play Ash. Now, let's just have a beautiful moment here and talk about Ash's first round draw, which is unluckily for Carla Suarez Navarro, of course, who has gone through cancer and come back and had a tough draw in the first round of the French and lost that tough match against Sloane Stevens. She has to go out and play, but kind of fitting that she's going to actually play on center court in front of people as well, opposed to what happened here at the French. I, for one, hope she wins. <laughs> well, listen, it wouldn't surprise me. She is a great player and she plays very well on grass. It will be a tough one against Ash, but um, it'll be a feel-good story if she doesn't. It'll be a huge upset if she does it. Um, well, but yeah, that section of the draw is super, super, super strong. Even- yeah, I didn't even mention Azarenka is in that part of the draw, and Serena Williams is in that part of the draw. And there's you know a bevy of others like Paula Bedosa who's had a good spring. Like it's there, it's lousy with good players. It's uh, that's well, a tough. You forget to you forget to even talk about Krejcikova who won the French Open. That is Ash Barty's fourth round opponent if they make it there. So I mean. It, that section of the draw is just stacked. Um, and with, Kerber, you know, and Kerber, who just won her first title in a couple of years, what was that, two days ago uh, in Bad Humburg. So, yeah, there's it's not easy work, the top half 
of the draw. But yeah, Joe Conta, I would love to see come through. Kerber, I'd love to come see see come through. I'm not I'm not totally uh, ready to to relinquish the youth uh, the youth yet on the women's but, side. I'd like to see some like mid generation talents kind of reclaiming. So- 1 size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The top half of the draw is friggin' loaded, like beyond loaded, because, you know, you talked about all the people that we've just talked about. Serena's in the top half of the draw. She's in the very bottom of the top half of the draw. Yeah. And as you said, she has in her third round, the champion who she lost to four years ago, whatever it was, Angie Kerber. So imagine if they got through to the third round, the two of them playing against each other. Oh my God, because obviously Angie is playing great again on grass. She loves the grass court. This, the court, the way it's set up will really suit her as well because that low bouncing, it really helps her kind of flat ball striking. And obviously the lefty serve will just stay low and go away from her opponent. So Angie's going to be, if she's feeling confident again, this is a three-time, this is a three-time Grand Slam champion. She's not afraid to go deep in a tournament. So Serena's not got an easy draw. And of course, we're not even talking about up that little section of the draw if she were to get through the third round, in the fourth round, she could play Coco Goff, who's been playing great tennis as well. I mean, the women's draw is so friggin' stacked. Um, and I mean, I'm just, I can't wait. I can't wait. The top half of the draw will, of course, play on Tuesday. And then they start playing from there Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So um, mid-tournament, mid, uh, of course, we don't have the Sunday off this year um, at Wimbledon because I don't know why they decided to change that rule. But um they're not expecting great weather on Monday, um, but, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm super psyched um, in general for the tournament to begin. I couldn't be more excited. I mean, I think for me, it's just all about matchups. There's so many, so many, so many good matchups in the first, you know, couple. The, my first couple of days of a tournament is, is always my favorite part because you can kind of bounce around. I mean, ideally you're there, so you can kind of go from court to court. But on my, um, on my ESPN Plus, I will have about 10 screens open at every given time, just kind of checking on different matches because the matchups are always so like, sort of delicious and contrast in styles and contrast in you know, strategy and body size. You know, it's really fun to watch somebody like Barty or Sabalenka who had a couple of matchups on clay this year, you know, and it's just like, oh, one's you know, 18 feet tall and the other one's average height, but they're slicing and dicing and power and finesse and it's great. So I'm super, super pumped. Uh, Hard to predict a winner on the women's side. Obviously, it'd be great to see Serena get 24. Um, anybody who you feel confident even saying you expect to see in the final? You've already mentioned Angie Kerber Ooh, as, as somebody who's tough to get through, but I don't want to put you on the spot. But, you know, making a prediction on the women's side is so tough, which is I mean, why it's I, like- I like the women's game better because we're not already minting a champion, you know? 
Well, I mean, as I said, the women's top half of the draw has just friggin' got so many players in there that you could say if they got to the final, you wouldn't be surprised. Serena, Kerber, you know, Ash Barty, Conta, who made the semis here a number of years ago, and of course is playing great. And when Joe Conta, I mean, she's going to have the support, obviously, of the English crowd and um, all the Brits will be behind her in, big, in a big way. And you know, when she's seeing, when she's serving big and she's playing well, um, we were actually practicing next to her today. She just got that super confidence about her. So she's a confidence player. And obviously coming in here, winning a tournament um, means she's confident. And she can play well um, with the crowd behind her. She really enjoys that, which is saying something. But um, so on, for, for the British, that definitely is somebody that they'll be behind. The other half of the draw, we haven't even really touched upon, but you know, you think about Muguruza, who's, of course, won Wimbledon before, a bit of an unknown. She she has the possibility of playing Angebeur, who won a lead-up tournament. I mean, it's just like so many, right? You talk about Sabalenka, who hasn't had a great, never really played well at the slams. Um, you know, what what can she do? Stakari is in that section of the draw. Um, Ali Risk, the, the grass court specialist, which is very rare to say for both a woman and an American, but Ali Risk tends to have great results. Kaya Kanepi, who's always sort of dangerous. Petra Kvitova, who loves grass and, you know, played a not too bad couple of warm-up tournaments coming into this either. You know, you just kind of look left or right and somebody's like you, you know, you said it, you wouldn't be surprised to see them being able to make it to the finals, but the, the, there's a lot of dangerous lurkers in here, right? Like Sloane Stevens, is she going to play great Sloane well, Stevens tennis or not? She plays Petra Kvitova in the first round, so she's got she's got to come out firing. And, you know, with Sloane, she, chances are she can. Like Madison Keys, same thing. On grass, she should be a no-brainer. She plays a Brit qualifier, Katie Swan, in the first round. You know, you, you, you wouldn't be shocked if, if Keys made it uh, at least a couple rounds or, or lost in the first round, you know? Daniel Collins, same yeah. thing. So, you know, Kennan, we haven't even talked about Kennan or Iga Sviantek. Like, there's just so many players who've won slams who could make it happen, and then you're kind of like, oh, you know, who's it going to be? Who's going to step up? And one player we haven't even mentioned who I think will have the toughest match if if Pliskova and uh, – sorry, if um, Keys get uh, – sorry. I mean, so many players. If Kvitova gets through mm. – to play Jess Pagula. And Jess Pagula is my outsider to do really well here um, because she's going to love the courts here. She's like 5-0 and against Pliskova, who's up that section of the draw. If, if Pliskova can even get through a couple of matches, um, hasn't had a great lead up. And Ali Risk is in her section and she hates playing Ali Risk. So, you know, Jess Pagula um, has a tough one against Caroline Garcia, former top 10 player. So as we said, look, you could sort of throw you know, all the names of women in a bag, pull out five of them, be like, yeah, could one of them win the Wimbledon title? And you'd be like, yeah, they could actually. So I'm just so looking forward to, to who's going to manage these conditions, as I said, of long days, getting in the bus, dealing with the bubble, the stresses of, you know, being around tennis players all day, who's hiding in their rooms, who's out socialising, who's sort of taking advantage of this moment. Um, and then obviously injuries are going to, you know, we'll see how everyone yeah. reacts um, body-wise. I mean, especially but... on grass. Everybody's, you know, slipping and sliding left and right, uh, you know, as we saw in a lot of these, you know, in Hala and Mallorca, you know, everybody takes tumbles on grass. It's not out of the ordinary. So, you know, yeah, you can always have some freak injuries. One person I want to hear hourly, if not bi-hourly updates about, and you've already fulfilled my wishes for today anyway, uh, is Benoit Pair? What's he going to be up to? Is he going to be hitting tweeners? Is he at the bar? Is he, you know, smoking hookah? Who knows what he's doing? But I want to know whatever that is, and I want and expect you to tell me. 
Well, Benoit, I can assure you, will be doing a couple of things that you mentioned. He will be hitting tweeners. He will be diving. He will be, um, he won't be as annoyed at the umpire because I believe there is line, uh, electronic line calling at Wimbledon. And it's so weird to see the cameras all set up the way they are here. And um, and we will probably see him at the bar, Caitlin, um, more I than once. I could be there with you all. So, uh, you know, seeing Roger in the back of the bar last night, sort of hanging out with everybody was really unique and awesome to see. And, um, you know, this bubble life is, is uh, pretty interesting in itself. As I said, it feels like an Olympics. Um, we, I feel like we're in our own little mini Olympic Games here at Wimbledon this year. But kudos to Wimbledon. They've tried so hard to get this right. And, uh, you know, the, the the government here in England has been really tough on um, them, probably the most other than the Australian Open. So they're trying to do their best. They've done a great job. The hotel's fantastic. And I have to say kudos to the Park Plaza in London because that's where the tournament, that's where the players are. I'm not giving away any secrets. Everybody already knows that there's press outside the hotel trying to take photos. But that the staff here has been absolutely amazing. And the most popular thing at the hotel is the what we call in Australia and what we call here in England, the lolly jar area or the candy bar area. So um, very much enjoying that um, as a snack. And, um, and there's, a, there's gelato for the players. There's a golf simulator, which is also the funnest thing here. And every player is on that. Hopefully we won't have any injuries because of the golf simulator. But um, other than that, it's great. Well, that's, I mean, that's how you didn't mention Kentish strawberries. Are there Kentish well, strawberries to be had? Um, I haven't seen any strawberries at the hotel, but there are many at the courts. I did see um, Sabalenka walking away with six punnets of strawberries, wow. and I've decided I'm going to call her Berry all week long. So that's her name. And if she makes the second week, I'm going to call I'm going to call her Straubs, and that's the that's the deal. Because she looked like she was literally taking them to go and sell them on the street. So I. I want to push you to do better with those nicknames. So the next time we check in, why don't you give it a think and just come up with something that I feel befits your your amazing brain? Because I think those are only C minuses if we're honest with each other. I think the nickname game could improve. And as an Australian, I think you owe it to yourself to to aim higher. I mean, Darren Cahill would come up with better nicknames than that. And Berry Babe. You know, Berry Babe. Eh, you want me to call it Berry Babe? Keep work, workshopping it. Um, okay. Strobs so, a Renka. Strobs Arenka has actually has some. I'm getting there. That's a B. That's a strong you B. Had, you just had to give me a second, mate. All right, man. Well, I, listen. I appreciate that you're going there. Uh, you know, they're they're already better than Brad Gilbert's, but I feel like you could just keep workshopping them. Um, yeah. While we're doing some very light, in this case, dick kicks, I do think it bears mentioning just two other smaller things because this really is our Wimbledon preview episode. It's not exhaustive. But obviously it's a check-in and it's really nice hearing behind the scenes. Um, our friend Craig Shapiro gave you a lot of love uh, the other day for doing such ah. a wonderful Instagram behind the scenes tour because you know this place like the back of your hand, both from playing, commentating, coaching, all the things. Um, and it really is the cathedral of tennis. It's really a special place. So the more we can sort of illuminate pe- people on what it's like to be there and play there and be behind the scenes there because it's so unique is, is just such a service. Um, light dick kicks are in order, I think, for my... Very, very uh, uh, favorite German man, Boris Becker, who, in addition to having a great head of hair and a very fun sense of humor, was really tone deaf in his Naomi Osaka criticism. Um, He's going to be taking the BBC booth for the 19th year in a row. 
Uh, I felt like he was a little bit uh, off, especially because he did not, not have any sort of um, critique for Roger Federer when Roger Federer pulled out of the tournament to preserve his body last time uh, around with Roland Garros. He was quoted among many, many, many uh, news outlets, New York Times, BBC, ESPN, et cetera, sort of saying like, Naomi Osaka can handle the pressure of a racial protest, which he gave her credit for, but then she can't handle the press. And it's sort of like, I don't want to re, re uh, sort of interrogate that, but I feel like Boris Becker could have done better. Um, and then interesting news out of this whole PTPA, Novak Djokovic and Vasek Pospisil led not union union of the men uh, and the ATP trading essentially in a pissing match, not clear exactly what they're arguing about because the PTPA still hasn't really come out with any specifics, although they did come out with a very interesting video and the news has been revealed that they have a number of very interesting folks backing them including the billionaire new york city hedge fund guy bill ackman who's very familiar to those of us who live in new york city um, and one of his internet twitter trolls he put on the advisory board so it's sort of like the more that comes out about the ptapa you want to kind of be like well this could be a good union the players certainly need it We'd love to see them hooking up with the women maybe that's what they're doing but every time they come out with something new you're kind of like but what you know what I mean? I don't know if it's it's being chattered about over there at all, but it's just always so baffling where you're like, you have you have all this time and, and ability to get your ducks in a row. So why isn't what you're coming out with more impressive than this? Um, you know, it doesn't seem like it's happening, but I wonder if it's the chatter has made its way to your side of the pond. Um, not overtly. I mean, I'll be, I'll be really honest with you. I think most of the players are so, and this is the problem with, you know, doing something like this. You have your little you have your little groups and your little cliques that are sort of trying to do something, but you know, 80% of everybody else is doing their own thing and they don't really, I don't want to say they don't care. They do care. But at this point at a grand slam, they don't care. They're trying to win a grand slam. They're trying to do everything they can to get their bodies in order, to get their practice hours in, to get their food content, to like get their sleep, to get on a bus. I mean, you know, they're, they're, that's why you know there needs to be better representation as far as trying to get them together obviously um the women and the men but i mean as far as i'm concerned i mean going back to boris i mean you know some people sort of you know i, I don't think sometimes you i think sometimes before you speak you need to sit back and say you know how is this going to look and do i know everything do i know every part of this story with naomi um so yeah i think you'll probably you know obviously getting a lot of flack for it but but I think with the PTPA, yeah, there's, uh, there was an opportunity, a golden opportunity through the last six months to really work together, um, particularly with the, with the way that the tournaments have gone with, you know, the bubble and everyone's around. And I just think they went so one way at the start of the year that they've just got so much opposition in some rega regards from the ATP and not giving them any time whatsoever. I mean, it is like a, yeah, it's it's a pissing contest. It's a pissing contest in the ATP forget about the WTA trying to even get equality with this players association. They're having problems with their own ATP. They're having problems with their own um, association. So I think until they can get that all under, under, under order. And quite frankly, I don't know if this is the time to do it or not with COVID that's, you know, that's for smarter people than me to try and figure out Caitlin. I mean, your comments uh, sound pretty smart to me and they don't sound wrong. They sound like, yeah, this on paper is a really great idea. And obviously having a really strong, you know, uh, ability to advocate and make sure the players are being treated well and that there's some parity uh, is great, but it's just sort of like, oh man, every time this comes out, there's, it's sort of like clown town again. 
Um, and you just want to be like, hey guys, you know, you don't a have to do this now because everyone else is trying to figure out, uh, you know, how to get themselves in the best mental state about preparing. But also, there's all sorts of interesting seismic things that are happening at the top of the sport with people, smart people, trying to figure out how to how to make sure that tennis isn't blowing any opportunities. And the fact that it's fractured and the fact that you know it's a bunch of little fiefdoms that compete with each other is already part of the problem. So making a new one, if you're going to do that, make sure it kind of scoops up a lot of people along with you and they really haven't done that. So anyway, I just thought it bore mentioning because now from now on, we're going to be checking in. Like I said, I want updates about Curios and Venus. I want updates about my boyfriend, Benoit Pair. I really would like to see him using that beard oil again. I feel like the beard has gotten a little unruly. So if you could pass that along, please let me know. Um, you know, does he have a clothing sponsor? Does he want a clothing sponsor? I've got some people on the hook who want to give one to him. So, you know, I have his email, but I'm just saying, if you, you know, run into him at the bar, pass that along. You're going to be coaching Sam. She's, she's got a winnable first round, but an interesting first round about against two is it Shelby Rogers. You know, there's going to be so much to talk about about the tournament. So I just wanted to get in a few other things before we got started, but now that it's happening, yeah. you know, it's going to be exciting days. Listen, I think the most important thing in this whole discussion is that we will be hitting tennis balls here at Wimbledon for the first time in a long time. And the Wimbledon uh, courts look absolutely amazing. They're the best I've seen them in a long time. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they d did to the grass over the last I mean, maybe decade. not having a tournament there last year made them have two years of growth. Maybe. I don't know. I just I just feel like the grass this year is even better than it. I think it's as good as it was 20 years ago. I have not loved the grass over the last like 10, 15 years. I mean, even though it's it's the best grass court in the world, there's something about it this year that just feels even better. And so I, I expect players that are coming into the net and being aggressive will do really well at this tournament. That does certainly suit someone like Roger, mm -hmm. um, it just can he get through, you know, best of five uh, physically. He's not getting any younger, but, um, you know, just to see him and Serena just kind of watching around the hotel, you know, hanging out with the, with the, with the kids. Um, it's just, it's a unique experience in itself. So Caitlin, I'm just excited, obviously to be here. If anyone follows me on Instagram, they know my love for this place is like endless. There's nothing I don't love about it from the flowers that line the, the courts to the, to the wooden benches, to the, to the smell of the grass, to even the rain from time to time. Um, it's just, there's no tournament like it in the world. And, you know, it's like picking a favorite child, which is your favorite. But for me, it will always be Wimbledon. So let's hope it's a great couple of weeks and we get some amazing stories out of it. And I'm sure we will, including Nick Kyrgios and Venus Williams playing next. I can't, I have nothing to add other than I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon, my friend. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Ruggieri and the team at Acast. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.